0: just sung of the raging of the enemy against Christ. A raging that resulted in his death on the cross. And the description there of that enemy as, a, as wild dogs and lions and fierce enemies that are ranged against him is a very real spiritual battle. Keep that in mind as we come to this passage, and uh, keep in mind as well that the psalm doesn't end there, and neither does the story, because upon the cross, Jesus did indeed deal the death blow to the enemy, Satan. But our enemy is still alive and is described in 1 Peter chapter 5. I'd like to, uh, to begin reading here in verse 5, and I'll read to verse 11. will be preaching from verses 8 and 9, though. Listen to God's word. <clears throat> Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settled you, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. In Africa, Vicky and I came face to face with a lion. Fortunately, there was a fence that separated us, but it wasn't like the zoos here in the United States where the distance is great and the fence is tall and there's even often a pit in between you. The fence seemed rather flimsy, in my eyes, and the lion had to be about 15 feet away. He was close. That's why I say we came face to face with a lion. This is at a game preserve in Namibia, and the tour guide took a, a chicken and threw it over the fence, and it disappeared very quickly. One of our friends that was with us on that tour was standing up near the fence and, and he turned to talk to us behind him. And at that moment, the lion lunged forward with a growl. Now, it was stopped by the fence and it didn't have any way to get to us. But it was terrifying. <laughs> it was clear That we would quickly have been like that chicken, devoured by the lion. We didn't hear it roar, but the growl rumbled in its chest in a way that made the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Peter says, Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter has been writing to a persecuted church about those who were bringing all kinds of sadness and affliction on the people of God. Behind those physical elements, behind those human elements, there stands a real enemy. And Peter reveals him, the adversary, the devil. And my purpose today is to call you, to warn you, to never turn your back on the lion. To never turn your back on the enemy. Language here, we are called to be sober, to be vigilant, to resist. And that is my message today. And I want to begin with the fact that the devil is real. I say that because here in the U.S., we tend to downplay spiritual enemies. We we tend to downplay all sorts of spiritual things, if, even for for that matter. I already described what it's like visiting a zoo here in the United States, and we're kind of sanitized even in our view of lions. Have you ever really been afraid of a lion when it's so far away and contained by that many protections? We're not even afraid of that, let alone spiritual enemies. And our modern Western mentality tends to treat Satan and the demons. As merely metaphors, as if they are fairy tales to scare children so that you will behave. We'll talk about these spiritual realities in this way. Well, we aren't children anymore. We don't need these fairy tales. We believe in what we can see and touch. We're grown up. We don't need those fairy tales any longer. We can treat the enemy as unreal but I want you to know that the enemy, I want you to know that the devil is real. We believe in things we cannot see. We believe in the devil. Not in the same way we believe in God, with faith and dependence. We believe that there is a real enemy. Jesus himself speaks of the reality of the devil. He was tempted by Satan. Jesus showed his authority over spiritual realities by binding the strong man, in his words, by showing those around him his authority over those spiritual realities, by casting out demons, and ultimately by crushing the head of the serpent on the cross. And then we could take it one step further and get a little more personal with Peter because Jesus warned Peter about the devil. When Peter had the audacity to correct Jesus, what was it that Jesus said? Oh, don't do that, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And later, Jesus warned Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. So Peter wrote to fellow believers that were suffering persecution. He wrote to those that in the Roman Empire were beginning to feel some of the effects of the persecution that is famously described those that would round up Christians to take them to the Colosseum and for sport, throw them into the pit with lions and wild animals or arm them against gladiators and cheer when they were killed. Behind the human agency is the reality of an enemy, the reality of Satan. Enemy is real. Don't turn your back. In Peter's words, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now he has just said, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. And he's been making the point all through the letter that That God is in your affliction. That the Lord Jesus Christ has a purpose and is overruling all of these things. That in your trials that you may humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, knowing that when we are weak, that he is strong. I want you to recognize that what Peter said of casting your care upon him is one of those first steps of humility submit to the Lord by casting our cares on him. And as you rest in Christ, you need to understand that this is not passive, that it is an active part of your faith. And I say passive in this way. You can come to think that, well, if God is sovereign, I don't need to do anything, that uh, he will do as he pleases. Or it's possible that you've become worn out by the affliction that you are under, That you have given up the fight. Or, as Peter's words suggest, you might lose your focus. You might think of yourself as beyond temptation. But Peter says the enemy is real. Be sober. And sobriety refers to self control. Be vigilant, and vigilant refers to keeping a watchful guard over your life. And think about it. Think about that lion that, that Vicki and I saw in, in Namibia. Think about the enemy prowling, hungrily seeking to devour you. Think about turning your back on such of an, an enemy. How long will you last? How long will you be able to stand such an enemy? I want you to notice that when Peter says be sober, uh, be self-controlled, that he puts his finger on one of the ways in which the enemy attacks us. Attacks us through our indulgences. Through our lack of self-control. And the New Testament is full of these types of warnings. Think of what the Apostle John says. What is it that wars against us? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Paul calls you to put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then think of Jesus' parable of the seeds that are sown. Remember what happened to the seed that fell on the path? It was hard and packed down, and the birds come down and eat it up. How did he explain that? It is the word that is snatched away by the enemy. And what about the seed that grows up with little uh, little uh, uh, roots, well, the sun of affliction and trials comes and it withers away, the fruit of the world. What about the seed that fell among the thorns? The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the world. The warning there of being watchful is a warning of the reality of the enemy. Perhaps you've experienced this. Life is going well. You have everything under control. All of a sudden, something happens to rock your world. Fall into a temptation that you thought you had managed or was gone, never to return again. Or some new situation presents itself and surprises you with a sin that you never imagined. Be sober, be vigilant. Self control is something that is a spiritual discipline to be exercised every day. Something that needs watchful care, defense against an enemy. You can't do that in your own strength. It's only by the grace of God, Spirit dwelling in us, that we can cast. All our cares upon the Lord, because he sustains you. This leads to a second application of this passage, to be steadfast in the faith. Because make no mistake, this is a spiritual battle. You cannot resist the devil in your own strength. This is not a matter of self-determination, or self-discovery, or somehow whipping up the diligence in and of yourself to, to cause this to happen. It is a matter of faith. Peter calls you to be steadfast in the faith. The words that he uses here is, draws a picture of, of, of a solid rock. Think of, the, of a, of a castle defense built on a solid rock. Think of Jesus' parable of the house built on the rock. And think of Jesus naming Peter. What does Peter mean? It means rock. Because upon this rock I will build my church, said Jesus about Peter. Note here in Jesus' saying this, uh, note, uh, note the reality of the enemy. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The enemy is real. Jesus acknowledges that. And he provides the firm foundation, which is Christ himself. Peter's profession you are the Christ, the Son of God. And note Peter's experience the rock. It was sifted like wheat. One that thought of himself as steadfast and who professed that even if everyone else deserted you, Jesus, I will never betray you. But then think of that dark night when Jesus was arrested. Peter did indeed run away and hide. And he crept into the courtyard to see what was happening and was confronted three different times finally by a a lowly slave girl who said, aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter vehemently cursed, I don't even know what you're talking about, I don't know this man. Immediately the rooster crowed. Peter thought he was a rock standing steadfast. As the rooster crowed, it says that uh, Peter looked across the courtyard. There he saw Jesus turned and ran away, weeping, knowing what he had done. Say that so that you know the reality and the ferocity of the attacks of the enemy. Careful if you think you stand, lest you fall steadfast in your faith. And that steadfastness comes again in this context. Because Jesus prayed for Peter. He even told him that beforehand. Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. There is the steadfast nature of our faith. It's not in our own strength. It's not in the purity of our faith. It's not in the purity of our doctrine. It's not in our self determination. It is in Jesus and his faithfulness towards us. And we stand under trial. We stand upon Jesus. And Peter reminds us Peter reminds you when you are under trial that Christ is at work. He is. Christ is at work and he has prayed for you. Never think lightly of that. Never think lightly of Jesus himself going to the cross on your behalf. Remember what we're saying in Psalm 23? Remember the agony of what Christ went through and the enemies that ranged around him? His hands and feet were pierced, his bones were, 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 were separating, is pierced with the spear, and he suffered the wrath of the Father. Having paid the penalty of your sin, he stands as your mediator and he prays for you to sustain you in the midst of your trial. Go to him. Being steadfast in your faith means submitting to him, means means rushing to him in the midst of that trial and acknowledging, God, I, I don't know why this is happening, but I know that you are with me. I like the way that Clowney talks about this. He says that the peculiar nature of faith is it's looking not to oneself, but to the Lord. It is most strongly grounded when it is most dependent. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That was the lesson that Paul learned. The lesson that I hope that you learn as well. That Christ's power, Christ's grace is sufficient for you. That his power is made perfect in weakness. It means that in order to resist the devil, that we draw near to God. Peter also says that you can know the fellowship of suffering. Peter says, knowing that the the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. What he does here is that he reveals really another help in your trial. The fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, you are not alone. So I've been making the point that Christ is with you. You know you're not alone because Christ is with you. But there's more to it than that. He has also given you elders who watch over your soul. Think of the prior verses. And he has also given you fellow pilgrims to journey to heaven with. I'm going to use that term, pilgrim, deliberately. That's the word that Peter used earlier in this letter. The idea of those who are journeying together to heaven. I use it as well to remind you of that allegory, Pilgrim's Progress. Bunyan does this beautiful thing by saying that Christian was not alone on his path. God brought along faithful to travel with him and hopeful, who is there even to go through that that river of death to encourage him. This is so so appropriate because it's difficult to stand against the enemy if you're isolated. It's difficult to stand if you think that you're alone. You can become overwhelmed. You can come to think that, that nobody understands you. That nobody has uh, has gone through the affliction that you have, that your trial is unique. You could come to think that God has abandoned you. Those are some of the lies of the enemy. Those are some of the, the attacks that Satan brings against you to, to reinforce that sense of isolation that you have. But remember... The fellowship that you have in suffering. Fellowship with Jesus. Fellowship with brothers and sisters around the world. Seek them out in the midst of your affliction. For your mutual support. It's good for you. It's good for them. It may be that God will use you to lift up your brother or sister in their hour of need. It may be that he will use you... Who have known despair to come along and say to them, I've learned to look to Christ in this experience. Let's do so together. Finally, resist the devil. Resist. And I love to hear this admonition in the context of how Peter describes the adversary as this roaring lion. This could be terrifying, couldn't it? It might seem like you will never be free from that besetting sin. It may seem like the power that Satan has over you is irresistible. That Satan is the winner. But Christ has indeed set you free. Christ has bound Satan He has bound the strong man. He has gone in and spoiled his, his stronghold. He has brought you out of captivity. Leading you in victory. In that victory, there is still the reality of the enemy. There is still the reality of temptation that we face in this life. And Peter... Experience that. And you have too, haven't you? Reality of sin that still assails you. Reality of the enemy behind those sins. Christ is now your Lord, not Satan. Christ is your Lord. You... You don't have to sin anymore. He has broken the bondage that has bound you. You don't have to go into those habits any longer. He has indeed set you free, not just from the penalty, but from the power of Satan. You may resist. You must resist. You must. He calls you to fight. Why else would he give you armor and a sword? He calls you to fight. He calls you to stand in this evil day against all that the enemy would do. Resist the devil. First step of humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord is to submit to him and to him alone, not to Satan. Do not surrender your members again to that old master, says Paul. Submit to the Lord. Acknowledge that you have a new master who has indeed set you free. And as you humble yourself, he will Lift you up. It will give you grace to see the light at the end of the tunnel. To see the victory that he is bringing. Ultimately and in this life. The second step is to fight. God has given you armor and a sword then use it. Resist the devil. Wage war against the enemy. And faith stand fast in this evil day. Resist the devil, and as he promises in James, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Be sober and vigilant. On our tour in Africa, Vicki and I also saw leopards. And the tour guide said, there are two leopards out in the scrub. You can't see them, but they're there, don't Don't doubt me. They're there. They like to stalk their prey. So we intently began to look and to look and to try to find the leopard. All of a sudden, there he was underneath a tree not 20 yards away. We never saw him coming. Never. There he was. Sober and vigilant. Be watchful against the enemy that prowls seeking to devour you. By God's grace, the Lord will never leave off the work of his hand. He has prayed for you, his child. But let me close this message by inviting you that if you are not a believer to think about this. Perhaps you're consumed already. You may not realize it, but you're trying to find happiness and peace through the pleasures of this life. How's it going? I have to tell you that you may be amused for a time You may push back that nagging feeling that something isn't right, but you can only push it back so far. It's a well-known fact that the rate of suicide is increasing in our world today. Even with all of the wealth and the pleasure that we have around us, it cannot satisfy that longing that you have. Pleasure won't give you relief from the shame that you feel. Wealth won't give you freedom. Self-expression won't give you a voice. All of those pursuits will devour you. From the inside out to the outside in, it will devour you will quite literally leave you empty and despairing. The only answer to the devil is Jesus. He really is. And if you feel the teeth of the devil today, Jesus invites you to come and to be rescued by him. He is the only Savior. A serious subject today, the reality of a lion. Never turn your back on the lion. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, like Peter, we recognize our shame. We recognize our how often we have thought ourselves righteous in and of ourselves. Or we thought we didn't need the cleansing work of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, we have fallen prey to the enemy. But God, I pray that you would save us from our sins. Even as you have promised, we pray that you would deliver us. Even if we were in the clutches today... I pray, O God, for deliverance. O God, I pray that you would also cause us to be vigilant, to be sober, to resist the devil, to be steadfast in faith, that we recognize the fellowship of suffering with those around us. We'd fight. Lord, you you have granted us life. Out of that life grows a desire for righteousness and holiness, and to not go back to our former master. Instead, O God, I pray that we would see Jesus, our Redeemer, and out of love and devotion, we would stand fast. We would resist. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. said that Psalm 22 did not end in despair, it surely does not, it turns to great joy at the deliverance of Jesus Christ, and we will sing that with joy, I'll praise you in the gathering, telling my brothers of your name, and uh, we'll think of that, that testimony that we have received and proclaimed to the ends of the earth, freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, let's stand and sing.